Lifer. So today's episode is really special. My husband, James Williams, who's a certified high performance coach, is actually going to be doing the interview. He interviewed Dr. Greg Wells, who's someone we got to meet a few years ago at the Titan Summit on topics such as peak performance and really having that longevity and top health in your life and business. Now, the amazing thing about Dr. Greg is that he makes health interesting. I love telling this story that last time I saw Dr. Greg speak, I actually admitted to him that I thought I would go and get a manicure instead of listening to his three-hour presentation. (laughs) But I loved everything he shared so much that I ended up staying for the entire time. And today's episode is not necessarily about health. It's really about you going all in in your life, moving forward with your dreams and not letting anything stand in the way of what you want and what you set your mind to achieve. So I hope you enjoy today's episode as much as I did. Welcome to the I Heart My Life show with success coach Emily Williams. Tune in daily to learn how to design a life you love, create more success and wealth, move past fear and blocks, and bring more joy into your life and business. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the I'll Help My Life show with me, your host today for a change, James Williams. I am Emily's husband, um, partner in I Help My Life, and certified high-performance coach. And I'm really honored today to be um, presenting this show for the first time, especially with one of the most amazing guests I could have hoped to have had on this show. We are very lucky today to have the incredible Dr. Greg Wells, PhD, with us today. Uh, Greg is someone that Emily and I had the pleasure of seeing talk um, twice now at the annual Titan Summit and has really inspired both of us in such a big way. Um, Greg is a physiologist, um, an, uh, an exercise medicine researcher at Toronto's Hospital for Sick Children, a professor of kinesiology at the University of Toronto. He's also the author of a fantastic book, Superbodies, Peak Performance Secrets from the World's Best Athletes, and of course his new book, The Triple Effect, Sleep Better, Eat Better, Move Better, Think Better, which is an awesome book. We'll touch on that later. Greg is also a sought-after speaker and regular contributor to the, to the Globe and Mail, CBC, CTV, TSN, and newspapers and magazines from around the world. And Greg is dro- joining us today from Phoenix, but he lives in Toronto where his wonderful family lives. And uh, throughout Greg's career, he has coached, trained, and inspired dozens of elite athletes to win medals, world championships, the Commonwealth Games, the Olympics, and he has studied athletic performance in some of the most severe conditions on the planet, like the Andes Mountains and the Sahara Desert. So welcome, Greg, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much. It's great to speak to you, James. Let's do this. Let's do this. So, Greg, you know, what's really interesting is all of the guests that we have on this show have their own I Heart My Life story. They have that turning point in their life where they recognize it's led them to where they are today. So, Greg, I know that you've had... um, some real major personal experience with challenges and opportunities of adversity and human extremes, haven't you? So tell us a little bit about one of those pivotal moments in your life that put you on the path to where you are now. Yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting now, when a little bit older, you can look back and get some context about all the things that have happened in your life. And 
uh, probably the first one was obviously being born, but after being born, the first major sort of inflection point in my life, which was hard at the time, but ended up being a really good thing and I wouldn't trade it for the world, was when I was 15 years old, I was a competitive swimmer. Yeah. I was on the national youth uh, swimming team. We were down in Florida training with my club team. And uh, yeah, we were out swimming in the morning in the ocean, as you do before swimming, because you know we were on the ocean, so we figured we'd just go body surfing for a bit. And a uh, big wave picked me up, dropped me on my head, and uh, broke a number of vertebrae in my neck. Uh, fortunately, there was no neural damage, just a lot of bones and ligaments all torn up. And uh, ended up uh, working for, gosh, it was in a halo vest for almost three months, which is when you have the bars and the ring around your head and the bolts in your skull to keep you still. That was three months of immobilization in that thing. It took me out of that. On my 16th birthday, I had reconstructive surgery on my neck which was great because it worked. Uh, then it was a bunch of months of rehab and then eventually came back uh, and started swimming again. Even though my surgeon told me I'd never swim again, I ended up trying to go back because I really wanted to do that and uh, ended up swimming Olympic trials for Canada 14 months after I broke my neck. So wow. that was probably the first time in my life when I had a, actually legit adversity, something to really overcome. Uh, and I very clearly remember during the time that the halo was on, and I was actually went back to school and, and other things. I, I, my rule was no complaints. Like I wasn't going to complain once. I wasn't going to, and everyone else was like, oh, this must be so hard. This is so awful. I'm like, nah, well, whatever. You know, it happened, but move forward, which is really interesting that even at 15 years old, that was sort of hardwired in there. It probably came from my mom and dad. Wow. I mean, that that is absolutely huge for a 15-year-old. To, because I mean, I, I, I had, uh, I broke my wrist when I was a similar kind of an age, right? Which is nothing. And I know that when you're 15 years old, there's a lot of stuff happening in life. You know, you're in a bubble and, you know, there's a lot of growing up to do. So to be 15 years old and make the decision that despite everything that's happened, you are still going to succeed. And you mentioned two important factors there. There was this, this, this refusal to give up and, of course, your teammates, which is, it speaks to you know what's really important for successful people, right? Is is who you're surrounded by and mindset. So, first of all, just just hone down on what it was that you were thinking when when it was when you were told you're probably not going to swim again for a start, let alone compete. What's going through your mind? <laughs> there was a couple points. I remember when I was lying in the emergency room, and uh, and they said, okay, don't move. But they put, they took the x-ray. As soon as the x-ray happened, the nurse basically yelled, don't move. Then she sprinted off to get a doctor, and it was like lockdown. And I remember very clearly at that moment being like really calm, which was bizarre because obviously something had gone really bad. But in my mind, I was like, well, whatever would have happened probably would have already happened. So let's just not freak out here, and we'll just sort of take it as it comes. And then the mindset when I was in the halo was which was three months of, of that lovely experience. Uh, the mindset there was just around positivity, like no complaints, no negativity, enjoy the moment, laugh. You know, uh, I remember sitting in class one day and like hanging my jacket on my halo, like just as much weirdness as I could create to make it funny. And then when my surgeon told me, you know, Greg, you're never gonna, you, you're just not gonna swim again. It, instantaneously, all, like instantly in my head, I said, fuck you. And sorry if I, don't, if I apologize for swearing on, on your show and uh, it's online, but I just want to be completely yeah. real. I didn't say it out loud, it was just in my head. 
and it was a, it was a reaction. It wasn't a response. It wasn't calculated. It was just a reaction, which came out of me, my brain. And uh, then there was really no choice about what I was going to try to do or not. Right? That was I was going to try to come back to be an athlete again. Oh. And parts probably because that's all that I was. My identity was wrapped up in being an athlete at that time. So there's probably no other way for me to perceive of myself. So right. You know, she was basically saying like, you can't be yourself anymore. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen. So mm-hmm. off we go. And then my teammates were amazing. Like they were uh, all, I remember very clearly at one moment when I was swimming and, and coming back, uh, we were doing a long set and uh, I stopped and one of my teammates did a flip turn, uh, you know, just basically hit me with his feet as hard as he could. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? You're smashing me like that. It's like, don't stop. It's like, oh, all right. And off we went and continued to finish the set. So it was a whole bunch of different uh, environmental factors. It was uh, being true to my identity at the time, even though I wouldn't have thought of it in those terms. It was it was a reaction. And then this relentless positivity that I believe uh, enabled me to do what, you know, hypothetically probably shouldn't have been uh, possible at that point in time, even though it, it was, which is another sort of interesting factor. I think we put limitations on ourselves all the time that may or may not be actually real. Mm-hmm. Uh, that may or not, and I think that even more frighteningly now as a parent, uh, I think we we do that to our kids sometimes, which is even worse. So I'm really just trying to wrap my head head these days around uh, living a limitless life and no barriers, no limitations, no fear and try to, to learn from that experience that happened almost 30 years ago, but now actually put it into play for myself and for my family. Yeah, I mean, that, it's so incredible that, um, like you said, unconsciously, you weren't consciously like you would be now performing, you know, a, a positive mindset ritual to make sure that you're going in the right direction. But what it really speaks to is that when, you know, when challenge hits, when something really, really challenging in our life hits, that our reaction is a result of our mindset previous to that point. Our reaction is is a result of how we've been thinking to that point, which is really important. So now, now we can take, I know I can take from that, that having a positive mindset, having a great group of people around me, really owning my identity means that if challenge hits, I'm not gonna let go of that because I know who I am. And so it, it really says to me, and I'm sure to the listeners out there, that you really knew who you were and what you wanted as a 15-year-old. Yeah, that's, there's no question. Like, in my mind at that time, I was making the Olympic team in swimming. Hmm. Like, there was nothing else. I went to school, and I got good. My mom and dad were like, you have to get 80%, which is an A, I don't know, or 4.0, depending on your system. Hmm. If you get 80% or above, you can keep swimming. So I got 81 every single year like there wasn't wasn't trying to overachieve i was just getting the job done so i could get back to the pool as fast as i could and yeah that's sort of the the foundation for that but i love the fact that you mentioned challenge because that really is something that i've spent a fair bit of time thinking about because ultimately what what i think i did in hindsight after 30 years of contemplation about this was that i pivoted from threat to challenge Mm. and that's what i think your listeners can take away like okay you broke your neck, fine, how does that apply to me? I think that all of us are faced with threats in our life, whatever that happens to be. It could be uh, financial problems, it could be a relationship problem, it could be a challenge at work, it could be an illness, it could be anything. And I think the 
easiest way to instantaneously move yourself into a positive direction because we can always overcome challenges in our life, I believe, most of the time. Sometimes you can't, but most of the time you can, is to pivot from perceiving the environment or perceiving the situation as threatening to you. And as fast as you, if it's a saber-toothed tiger, it's a threat. <laughs> but if it's like, uh, let's call it financial um, problems, that is a, that's a challenge to overcome, which can be overcome by implementing certain actions to move yourself out of the threatening situation into a, a pathway that you can begin to overcome those obstacles. So whenever something happens to you, uh, I would recommend that you take a moment, step back, go for a walk, take a few deep breaths, go sit by yourself in a room, close the door, and say, okay, how can I how can I shift into a challenge? How can I overcome this? What do I need to do right now to move myself in a positive direction? And that might be an incredibly difficult thing to try to do, but ultimately that's the way to action uh, operationalize what we've been talking about. Mm. It's, it's incredible, and it's, um, it's amazing how much we can learn from the way we show up when we're younger, and we, we tend to act in a much more uh, instinctive way. Um, and so I can really see how that's, that's led you to, to where you are now in terms of really wanting to understand, okay, I made a really great choice there. And actually, I know I was watching a documentary with Jim Carrey and how he was very similar. He decided that he was going to be successful. And when, yeah. you, when you make a decision, no matter what gets in your way, it's incredible what you're capable of achieving. And so... You know, when I think about all the different roadblocks that, that can potentially get in our way when we're a teenager, you know, hearing your story is so inspiring because it's just proof that when you really want something, whether you, even if you hadn't have managed to, to um, compete again, when you really want something, it's incredible what you can achieve. Even if you just try, what you can achieve is just absolutely amazing. And what I'd love to do is talk about... Um, is to, is to dive a little bit into the teamwork section. Before we move on to, to how it's really shaped your life up until then, let's, let's talk a little bit about the team because it really speaks to um, what's important for success outside of ourselves and that is the people that we surround ourselves with and the environment that we surround ourselves with. So up until that point, you had amazing teammates and they showed up for you to back back up that solid mindset that you had um, during that time of, of adversity. So, what what do you think was it that um, that really uh, solidified those relationships? Yeah, it's really interesting because I've tried to recreate that pretty much for the rest of my life, and and I'm still great friends with all of those people. Uh, Thirty years later, in fact, just before this trip to Phoenix, I was in Calgary. I was hanging out with one of my swimming friends, and next weekend I'm going back to Calgary, and I'm hanging out with more of my swimming friends and we all, we actually all moved to the same area in Toronto where I live. So I've got four or five close friends, actually like our family settled in the same places. So uh, clearly there's something pretty powerful there that I'm very, very fortunate to have had early on in my life. And, you know, in hindsight, when, when I think about it, there's some really interesting things that we did in practice. I very clearly remember us coaching each other, like, Hey, your hands in the wrong place or let's go on this one or like, you know, come on, that, that wasn't very good. Um, our coach coached us, obviously, but there was a huge amount of coaching within the group, and it was never criticizing each other. It was always like, do this because we need to get faster, and uh, I remember that very, very clearly. Um, I also remember as a teenager, you know, saying and doing things I'm not super proud of because you have to figure a whole bunch of stuff out, and 
you know, obviously we're not perfect, but back then that's one of the things I do remember very, very clearly as being a good thing amongst our group. That's called psychological safety, which I've discovered in the last 18 months, which is basically that you're free to take a risk without being criticized or made fun of. And the risk for us was trying to make the Olympic team. And we had an environment that was, I believe, pretty psychologically safe as a place of you know teenagers hanging around in speedos, which is what we did every single day for five or six hours. And so I've really tried to recreate that as much as possible and think about how we can always make sure that we have uh, more support than the risks that we're taking. And I've tried to do that with my kids when we're going rock climbing or surfing in the ocean. You know, there's always an instructor there. When we're doing rock climbing, we make sure that we learn about all the safety factors. So you can take risks, but you can do that with the least risk of actually having some sort of uh, flame up happen. And if it doesn't go well, if you get scared or if you fall or if you get hurt, always being as, there as quickly as possible to help get you back into the direction that you're going. And I'm very, very fortunate that Judith and I and my wife uh, have been able to do that over the last few years as well. Like relationships are not easy. Life is not easy. Professional, you know, developing your professional uh, capabilities and, and your professional life is not easy. And you need to have that support. The support must always be greater than the risks that you're taking. Mm. And uh, and if you can if you can operationalize that in your life, you're going to end up in a very 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 different, much much better place. Oh, that's that is incredible. It's it's so big. And um, having that support to and what you're talking about really is judgment to not be judged for wanting to do something that might seem crazy. That might seem wait a minute, you don't know that that's going to work. Why are you doing that? <laughs> And actually, my, my dad actually said this to me um, in the last few years. He said, you know, one of the major differences between you and me, James, is that um, you, you went ahead and did things even if you didn't know if they were possible or not. And it's really interesting. So that group of people around you weren't judging you for wanting to go big. They weren't saying, what are you talking about to compete in the Olympics? What are you talking about? They were like, yeah, let's do it. It's that kind of, let's all be crazy together and go massive, go big or go home. And I, I think that that in conjunction with such an amazing confidence and mindset and determination and obsession with achieving your goals um, was pivotal. And would you agree it was pivotal in, in moving past that huge challenge? Yeah, it was definitely pivotal. I mean, there's some inflection points in your life and that was the first big one as we talked about in yeah. You know, as I'm listening to you speak and you're describing, like, this is crazy, this is almost impossible. The funny thing was we never even talked about it. It was mm. so normal. Mm. It was so, like, there was no choice. So it wasn't wow. crazy. It was actually just what we were doing. Wow. Was, and some of us made it and some of us didn't. Out of mm. that group that I was in when I broke my neck, I think four people made the Olympic team and six of us uh, made the Olympic trials but didn't make the team. Uh and the same sort of pattern emerged four years later when I was swimming in university in the, in the, at the University of Calgary where I swam. As many of those actually went on to make the uh, Olympics and then also to win medals at the Olympic Games. But uh, it was just it's just so normal. When you surround yourself with people that are going in the same direction as you or have uh, the same expectations or even better, higher expectations or it's an environment that's entirely positive and everyone's moving in the right direction, uh, exceptional performance there's no other thing. It's just what you do on a daily basis. And so if you can do an audit for the people that you're spending time with, of the environments that you're in, perhaps your workplace, uh, you know, who are you surrounding yourself with? Who do you go out for dinner with? 
Can you, can you create a, a circle of genius around yourself, as Robin Sharma says, or a dream team of people that support you that sort of emerged out of that example of the 92 Olympic team when all the greatest basketball players in the world went and played together for Team USA, you know, Michael Jordan and uh, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. Like, it was just an incredible dream team. Imagine if you could create that for yourself mm. in whatever it is that you're trying to do. Find a great gym to go to to get fit. Find a group of people to walk with on the weekends. Find a group of coworkers who are really interested in trying to be great in your career and just immerse yourself in mm. those environments and success becomes not only easier, but like inevitable. Like yeah. you can't help but do well when you're surrounded by those people because there's no other option other than just trying to be the best that you can be in that whatever environment you happen to be in. Yeah, I love that. Rise to the level of, rise to the level of your associations, right? It's like if, we, if I play tennis with someone who's better at tennis than me, I will play better tennis. And it's, um, such an important um, message for life in general, right? So we're going to take a short break now. And when we get back, I'd love to talk a little bit about how moving past that into your later years, um, it allowed you to take those big risks. It allowed you to go for those big challenges, those big adventures and strive for things that um, the, the less adventurous of us might think is just crazy again, right? So we'll be back after this short break. Are you looking to move forward with your dream coaching business? I know when I was first starting out as a coach, I had no idea where to start. I didn't know how to launch my website. I had no clue who I wanted to work with, what sort of program to create, or even how to get started. If you're feeling like that, not to worry. I have the perfect program for you. We've created iHeart Coaching for the aspiring and new coach alike, and it's available for registration today. So go to iheartcoaching.com to find out how you can start your own dream coaching business and join the world's most successful, making a huge impact in the world. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Hi everyone, welcome back to the I Heart My Life show with me, James Williams, and my amazing special guest, Dr. Greg Wells, PhD. So Greg, before the break, we were talking about how this, this amazing challenge that happened to you when you were 15, breaking your neck, but still striving forward with that incredibly positive mindset, that incredible team of people around you, resulted in you, in you not only swimming, but competing at a very high level. And what I'd love to talk about now is how moving on to your 20s and 30s, that, that confidence, that ability to really push your boundaries um, allowed you to take part in an amazing expedition called the Tour de Freak, which you were telling me briefly about in the break. So tell us a little bit about what that is and what inspired you to do something so um, incredibly brave. Yeah, I don't know if it was brave so much as it was stupid, but we'll go, I'll take the brave thing. I'll just remember that one. I'll use that one for forever after this. So uh, in 2000, I went to Africa to go visit my sister who was working there for the UN in, in Rwanda. 
And we spent some time in Tanzania, which was amazing. I absolutely loved it. Did the safari thing, like just adored being in Africa. I just loved that, that environment. And so uh, three years later, as I was finishing up my doctorate at the University of Toronto, my dad heard an interview on the radio with a gentleman named Henry Gold, who was going to ride with a group of people from uh, Cairo to Cape Town, first time it had ever been done uh, in history. So they were going to try to be the first uh, group to cycle all the way across Africa, which is pretty cool. And I was really into cycling at the time. And so my dad called me and said, hey, look, you got to listen to this interview with this guy, Henry. He's going to go ride his bike across Africa. Like, you like Africa? You like cycling? This is crazy. You should listen to this interview. So I caught the last seconds of it. Uh, and then I was like, well, I'm just going to call this guy. So I called up Henry, found out that his office was on the road, probably about two kilometers away from where my office was at the time when I was finishing up my doctorate. And he's like, yeah, come on over. And I went into his office. There's this huge map of Africa with the route written in a highlighter, which was about as much uh, investigation as had been done. <laughs> and those routes that are on maps are not the same as the routes that are as the roads that are on, uh, on on the ground, believe me. And he's like, yeah, sure, you should come with us. And I was like, well, that's cool. I got $10,000 of space left on my student loans, fired up. So I uh, graduated, did, couldn't get a job, so I was like, I'm going to Africa. So I defended my PhD in February in Toronto, minus 30 degrees when I left, flew to Cairo to meet the group. They'd already departed at that point in time, so I was a few days late because I had to finish my PhD. So I flew into Khartoum, Sudan, in the middle of the Sahara Desert, plus 52 degrees my first day there, so an 80-degree swing, wow. and uh, and started cycling across the Sahara Desert. So that's basically how that happened, and mm. uh, it's just a confluence of things. I had the right amount of, of money lying around. I had time off because this was going to be a four- to five-month expedition. I had no, I didn't even have an apartment back home. Like I put everything in. I sold, gave away everything, sold everything. I literally in my entire life owned a bicycle, a tent, and some cycling clothes. Like that's the extent of my existence at that point in time. And it was uh, one of the coolest five months I think that uh, I will ever have in my entire life. Wow, that's that's amazing. So many <laughs> questions pop to mind about that. It's like, you know, in terms of using that as a metaphor for wanting to really go full on for a dream, really go full on for something, an adventure, a journey, whether it's an entrepreneurial entrepreneur starting a new business or someone just doing something really big and going all in not really knowing that it's, whether it's possible probably not even thinking about the how quite often me and emily said how is not your business if you've got passion <laughs> yeah. and you've got the intention and you've got the drive to do it um so let's talk about the lessons learned so you go for this big adventure you you're just this really driven excited person thinking right this sounds like an incredible adventure i'd love to be able to achieve that what are the lessons learned from, you know, during, let's talk about during the adventure. What is, what are the things that jump to mind? Um, probably the first one is that um, whenever you have, what I, there's a few things I learned on that trip. It was incredibly difficult. It was either 10% of the time you're having the greatest experience you're ever going to have in your entire life. So I remember coming up, cycling one day in Tanzania and we were coming up this road, we were cycling through the clouds and we broke through the clouds and we're up on top of these mountains and you could see the tops of the mountains everywhere and it was all tea plantations so it was just this beautiful green and we go over the ridge and then dive back into the clouds and cycle down through the clouds and come back up through and break through the clouds again like that was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had and another one was 
uh, in northern Kenya, which is not actually governed. There's no government there. It's all broken down. Um, and there was I, I, I met some people on the side of the road. None of us spoke. They didn't speak English. I certainly didn't speak Samburu. And they took me back to their village. And we, I ended up spending a lot the day there by myself. No one knew where I was. And there was dancing. There was guitar. There was tea. Like, it was crazy. And ultimately ended up, you know, making it back to camp way out there. Everyone didn't, was freaking out because they didn't know where I was. Uh, and that in and of itself was like the most authentic, real, ex- people were screaming because they'd never seen a white person before. Like it was nuts and really, really cool. So you've either got that or you're lying on the side of the road in Malawi after having crashed because you get hit by a cow, which is another story. Uh, and you're tor- like, I have a whole side of my body's torn up. I'm bleeding everywhere. Um, I can feel infection going into my system. Uh, like I'm peeing every five minutes because my body's like shedding like every, like it was terrifying and I'm four days away from the hospital and 40K of cycling to get to camp. Mm-hmm. And so you're contrasted, oh, oh, another psychological example of that is running into people on the side of the road in Ethiopia who've lost limbs to the landmines or sleeping a night in Malawi with uh, the children at an AIDS orphanage, all of whom have lost their parents to, aid, to AIDS and many of whom had AIDS. And so you're, you're sort of alternating between these blissful moments of pure like life perfection and just absolutely horrific uh, circumstances. And there wasn't a lot in between. So it was pretty wow. draining. And when I got back, I almost feel like I had, I think I might've been actually had some, some mental health challenges for almost a, a year after I got back. And of course, no, no one knew what that was back then, but yeah. uh, it, was, it was definitely hard to reintegrate. But anyway, the, the, the lessons learned around that are, are basically that I learned not to have any expectations about what should happen. Mm-hmm. And whenever I had an expectation about what should happen, Africa trashed that very, very quickly. And so you, I learned just to take life as it came in five minute increments for that, that whole time. And if I got a flat on my bike, then I got a flat on my bike. I didn't ex- if I expected to ride that day without having any flats or any mechanical problems, inevitably there would be like, Mechanical, 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 mechanical. It was almost like Africa had this 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 drive to break my brain, and so the only way to to get through that was literally to live in in the instant. Which is interestingly how Buddhism teaches you're supposed to get to enlightenment. Mm. And when I had those moments of expectation, that was problematic. When I had no expectations, I really enjoyed myself. Wow. And that was probably the first big insight that I tried to carry on on throughout the rest of my life as well. It's such a metaphor for life, that whole journey, you know, that we, we, we can't predict what's going to happen and that there will be highs and there will be lows. And it's up to how we react and how we, how present we are with every moment in terms of what we make of that journey, because it's, it's very easy to stop and give up when, when adversity hits, right? As with, as with the 15 year old with the broken neck, it's very easy to say, now it's too hard. Something's happened. It's too hard. I'll just stop. But when we're present with, with every moment and, and decide what, we want, what action we want to take next, knowing that there is a long road ahead and we don't know what's coming and that there is just as much chance for wonderful, blissful moments as there is inevit- inevitable challenges. Um, it, it's like you lived a lifetime in one journey in some way. Uh, yeah, no, I think that you're absolutely right. Like, there's no question. There was like this... Yeah, this birth, growth, um, adolescence, 
breakdown, 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 and finally ended up in a good place. Mm. By the time we got to Botswana and South Africa, everything was on cruise control. Like we were super fit. We'd adapted to the water because I was drinking local water all the way along, which is another story. That's why I lost so much weight. And um, by the time we hit South Africa, we were just in like this tight knit group that I really feel could could have turned around and ridden all the way back to Cairo the other way. Mm. Uh, we had it dialed. We were strong mentally. We were strong physically. We were in a great routine. We had a great mindset. Our our digest, digest, digestive tracts had adapted. Um, and that's something that uh, I almost feel like that carried over to the rest of life as well, where you have this ability to, you know, stay positive, uh, put your, and, you know, it's interesting looking at it now. I, I also realized that there were sort of three groups that emerged out of the team that went down to do this. There was uh, 30 people and you ended up with 10 people who were, I believe, pretty negative and had an incredibly difficult time psychologically. And then another group of people who are plus or minus a little bit here and there. And then another group of people that were pretty aggressive with riding fast and, and were, I believe, quite, quite positive most of the time. And I ended up spending most of my time in that group again. I think mm. I kind of gravitate towards those types of groups of people, that the higher, not the higher achievers, because there were some super slow people that rode 10, 12 hours a day that stopped for tea with the locals everywhere and took pictures of all the trees and had the greatest experience. So it's not necessarily about speed. It's about, you know, enjoying life or being positive with life or maximally absorbing what's happening to us around, uh, around us as we go through our lives. And those are the people that I ended up gravitating towards. And we all ended up gravitating together and the three groups sort of emerged. So once again, in a very challenging situation, it was the, it was the team environment that ultimately ended up creating a situation where it was pretty easy at the end to finish it out, close it out, and ultimately for eight people on that expedition, not me not being one of them, uh, to be in the Guinness Book of World Records for the fastest hmm. human-powered crossing of Africa. How awesome it is that we won, I won the genetic lottery of being born in, in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the obligation, though, that comes with that is that you have to do something good in the world. Like you cannot just simply wallow in your wealth. You have to make a difference. You have to go try to help people. You have to try to make the world a better place. You have to do things to have a positive impact on the people around you. And as long as you have that mindset, I think inevitably good things will happen to you in this world. I, I just went for a hike yesterday with Ian Lopatin, another one of the speakers at the Titan Summit, and a gentleman who started the company Spiritual Gangster, which is a yoga company, and we were chatting and one of the, he calls it the karmic business model, where the more money that his company gives away, that buying meals for Americans who don't have enough to eat, uh, the more money the company makes. And he's now wow. giving away millions of dollars every single year in order to try to make the world a better place and take advantage of the success that he's had in, in his businesses. So I just think people just need to try to have a positive impact in the world. And if you can do that, you're going to be living a really great life. I totally agree. And it's uh, isn't perspective the greatest gift you could ever give your child or anyone, right, to gain for yourself? Um, that huge amount of perspective and, and clarity. And I think it's, it's easy to recognize the times in our lives where we may have been in a bubble and been, you know, so involved in things that we think are major problems in our life. Um, and then if we can do all we can to burst that bubble and actually gain some massive perspective, it's so much to be grateful for. But as you said, grateful for in our own lives and then grateful that we get to use the, use the opportunities that we have to make a massive impact um, in the world. And so 
it seems to me that the gift that you've been given by all your challenges is such a massive amount of perspective that you realize the impact that you genuinely can have in the world and, and are having in the world. Um, I mean, if we could talk for hours and hours and hours and hours on this call, everyone would get to realize how much impact you've already made. Um, we're going to be stopping for one more break. When we come back, I'd love to talk about this one more, well, there's, um, there, there's many challenges that we all face in life, um, but there's one more challenge that I'd love you to talk a little bit about that I know is really important one uh, to do with your health um, that we'll talk about when we get back from the break. Until then, we're going to take a short break, everyone, and we'll see you in a moment. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. So we're back, everybody. Welcome back to the I Heart My Life show with myself, James Williams, and my amazing, very, very brave guest, Dr. Greg Wells, PhD. So Greg, before the break, we were talking about um, you know this amazing journey through Africa that you took the huge amount of perspective that that gave you on on the world, on life, on how blessed we are to have the lives we have and have the opportunity to make an impact in the world for those less fortunate. Um, moving on in your career as someone who'd now had all this drive and all this passion and all this knowledge and perspective around the impact that you could make with all the all the knowledge that you have, um, all the knowledge and the education that you have, it led you to write a really fantastic book, Superbodies, um, which uh, I love. It really is an amazing um, representation of what we are capable of, especially from the, the mouths of athletes. And around, I think it was uh, was it around um, that book or after that book that you you suffered a major challenge in your life. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that was. Um... So that was the summer of 2012. So in Canada, I commentated the 2010 Olympics, which was in Vancouver, home Olympics. And that was amazing to be able to do that and shine a light on those athletes and uh, take all the work that I've been doing with athletes for 20 years and, and leverage that into showing the, you know, Canada, uh, how the athletes are able to do what they do. And then subsequently I ended up commentating London as well yeah. in 2012. And after 2010, I was able to write a book and the book came out in and around that time. We also were selling our house and moving that summer. In fact, we moved into our new home the day that the uh, limo came to pick me up to take me to London. There's boxes everywhere. It's why my wife is like, anyway, so supportive of everything that I do and patient. And that was one that, I, that I'll forever be in debt over. Um, so yeah, new book, commentating the Olympics, moving houses, uh, building new labs at U of T where I was uh, working it was just like everything that could happen in life happened in that block of time. And so I wasn't taking care of myself. 
I was still running, but I was not sleeping very well. Our, we were eating on the go, totally stressed out, exhausted, like just burnt, completely smoked. And my daughter was at daycare, and she picked up a cold. And she got this virus that I ended up getting. And instead of giving me a cold, it went straight into my heart. And I ended up with viral myocarditis, which is brutal because you end up with stabbing chest pains. You end up not being – I would, like, walk up one flight of stairs and have to take – three to four days in bed, I was that tired and that exhausted and in that much pain. And um, that's pretty scary, obviously, as a 41-year-old uh, you know, male. Uh, and I couldn't take any of the medications that were designed to decrease the inflammation because I was allergic to all of them. Wow. I think partially because I took so many anti-inflammatories for my neck over the years that my, years that my body was like, you're done, you're not having any more of that stuff, you're only having... Uh, good food and I discovered one day I ate half a pint of blueberries and all of a sudden my heart felt better I was mm. like oh that's interesting then I began to look into anti-inflammatory foods and discovered all of these amazing foods that I could use to treat inflammation inside my body and I started to do that very very aggressively turmeric ginger blueberries black pepper cinnamon and we went all in on a plant-based diet like more or less was completely vegan for almost six months, maybe even longer, eight or nine months. Uh, and that was began the healing process and a, and a very different approach to life that we've taken uh, since that point in time. But I guess the ultimate message is that, you know, I was, I'm a professor of kinesiology or an exercise medicine research program. I teach high performance to world-class athletes and executives. And yet at that moment in time, when this confluence of factors came together, life happened. Um, I got broken down and life, you know, sort of smacked me around a little bit and brought mm -hmm. me back down to earth. And uh, I wasn't taking care of myself the way that I probably should have been. In those times, you have to double down on all of those habits, not let them go. Uh, and it was a pretty powerful lesson to learn at a, at a very important point in my life. Yeah, it's a really important lesson that, you know, someone with your knowledge and your background can still, you know, take, take your eye off the ball for very great reasons. You're in service. You were, you were doing a lot of amazing things to increase, to make your life better at home, you know, moving house, to, to serve the world with your knowledge about athletics and really doing, you know, serving outwardly. And it's such a great message that we can't serve outwardly with the impact that we, we're really on this earth to serve with unless we put ourselves first, unless we really think about how we can be serving from a full cup. So what, um, what lessons did you take from that? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Sorry, what, what lessons did you take from that? Uh, I think it was just that. I think that the idea of being a servant leader is very different and that you have to take care of yourself before you begin to take care of other people. And that's really difficult for me to wrap my head around. And I'm sure it's very difficult for a lot of your listeners to wrap their heads around that. Let's say if you want to be the best parent that you can possibly be, you can't be running on empty. You've mm. got to be eating well. You've got to be taking some time for yourself every day to learn. You've got to be taking some time every day for yourself to exercise. And it's only if you're doing those things that you can be the best for your partner, for your, for your children. Uh, same thing applies to teachers. I do a ton of work in schools these days. And uh, teachers run themselves ragged. Principals run themselves and burn themselves out. Mm. Uh, and the problem there is, let's say that you have a student walking into a classroom who's in crisis, or if it's a parent analogy, it's your daughter comes in from school and she's in crisis because of something that's happened at school. If you are in crisis as well, if you are in a bad place yourself, if you're tired, if you're burned out, if you're frustrated, if you're angry, that 
will not go well. It will be a total train wreck for all involved, potentially with lifelong negative implications. Mm. However, if you're calm, if you've done your meditation, if you've done your workout, if you've eaten well, if you've got a decent night's sleep the night before and you're rested, you can pause and instead of reacting, which is the typical response in our world right now, you can respond. You get away from reaction, move towards response, mm. which is sort of response ability. You have this ability to respond and actually take control of the situation, allow the emotions and tension and fear and anxiety and stress to slowly dissipate out so that all the people can have a reasonable conversation once everyone's calmed down. That does not happen if we're in a bad place. And so we have to take care of ourselves. Like I'm speaking this afternoon here in Arizona, and after I get off this call, it's 8 o'clock in the morning right now where I am, um, I'm going to go to the gym, then I'm going to go to the spa and do my hot cold routine because I've got this amazing cold, amazing cold plunge tool, pool. I'll come out. I'm going to pound a whole bunch of water and have a tiny little snack so I can go out on stage and crush it and hopefully make a difference for the mm-hmm. hundreds of people that are coming this afternoon to learn about health. So if I was approaching things the way that I was doing it before, I'd be taking those four hours to clear out my email, to catch up on all the stuff that I should be doing because I'm not at home at my office. Now I'm like, no, I got to take care of myself first. So I'm in a perfect place so I can deliver that great talk. I'll deal with all that other stuff afterwards. So it's really about putting, moving people away from time management into priority management and making sure that your top priorities in your life are scheduled first and then everything else gets moved somewhere else. That's a, that's a really big message for all the, uh, the lifers listening to this show is move from time management to priority management. There's so many things on that to-do list that could be described as um, competing interests, you know, things that aren't giving you the ROI um, right here and right now. There's so many things that we do because we think we should be doing them. And that, that message is so important. So I hope all you listeners out there are listening here because it's, it's very easy for us to get into the routine of what we're doing every day and not thinking about it and wondering why we're feeling wiped out at the end of the day. If you can take a look at and be conscious about the task that you're doing, everything you're doing, and really think about, do I need to do this right now? Is there something more important that's going to allow me to finish my day feeling like I've been effective, feeling energized, feeling that I can have a great night's sleep and have an even better day the next day? Um, you know, it's been so great talking to you, Greg, because listening to the beginning of the journey where you were a 15-year-old and you came against this challenge and the people around you had such a huge impact, and then moving through your life, you're at a point now where you have you now have responsibilities. You have um, have a wife. You have a daughter. You have a lot more people that you're serving than you were when you were 15. So you have the mindset that you had of a, of a 15 year old where I'm going to go big. I can do anything I need to do. But now there's the kind of like you learned when you were 40, right? There's that kind of well, wait a minute. I can't just go big and go massive like I did when I was 15. I'm now learning the lesson that I need to take care of myself as well if I'm going to go big and go massive. And it's such, an, such a beautiful journey that you've been on to look at that. And, um, and you've, you've, I mean, you, you talk a lot about it on stage. And it's, um, what's really important is you've learned along the way, that mentality to just always look back and say, what have I learned from this scenario and how can I continue to grow and serve at the best of my ability so that I can maintain that ability to just go big? Um, it's a really inspiring. It really, really is. Um, so let me ask you one question. If we, can, if we could summarize, Greg, 
right now, would you say you're living a life better than you dreamed of? When you're when you're 15 years old, you're lo you're looking looking ahead. If you were to go back in time, are you living a life better than your dreams right now? So first of all, thank you for all those super kind words. I really appreciate it. It's very, it's a great way to start my day listening to stuff like that. It makes me feel like I'm, I'm not, um, it makes me feel better about the fact that I'm here in Arizona instead of at home with my family. So it's really cool that you said that. Thank you. Um, am I living a life that's better than I ever dreamed of? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But to be completely honest, I only really started to feel that way in about six or seven years ago. And I only really now am confident and, and happy and, uh, and really feeling that that's actually happening. And I'm 46 now. Uh, like it took a long time. Uh, it took 14 years of university. You know, I added up one day how much money I've spent on personal development. And it's like ridiculous how many courses I've taken or conferences I've gone to, or um, it's just nuts. And uh, like, like I said, I, I really only feel like it's working recently. And so people need to be patient. Like it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, I'm for sure living a different life than I ever dreamed possible. The life that I'm living right now, I, I wouldn't even have been able to comprehend even in 2010 and seven years ago. So eight years ago now. And uh, like, it, it's just all coming together. It's really, really cool. It's super hard. I work a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I'm tired. I travel all over the place. Like I'm, I'm on my 10th time zone this month. It's crazy. Uh, it's not easy parenting. It's hard some days. You get super frustrated. It's not perfect. Judith and I, I, like I've got an amazing relationship with my life, my wife. I, I love her dearly, but we have times where we're angry at each other. Right? Like it happens. Yeah. Um, there's very, very difficult things that I've gone through at work over the last few years, sorting out my career, which is not the easiest thing in the world to do. And so people have to understand, like you and I are talking about all the perfect things right now. Everything's gone great. It's that you've overcome this challenge and you've ridden your bike across Africa. And, uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like it's a daily battle to do, uh, to do the right thing and to create the right situations and to install the right habits and to have an impact. And sometimes it's the greatest thing in the world. Other times it's just a struggle. And so mm -hmm. if you're feeling people listening, you know, if you're feeling like it's a struggle, then that's totally normal. It's totally okay. Uh, people only post the good stuff on Instagram. Don't worry about it. They don't, they don't post the train wrecks. Sometimes they do, but it's not very often. And so I just ask people to be 1% better every day. If you can just be a little bit better every single day, that's, that's the key. That's the foundation behind the book, uh, the ripple effect that I wrote. And, uh, I just want, that's 15 minutes. So if you can spend 15 minutes a day doing something that's going to make you a better person, that's a great place to start and everything will take to, will, will take off from there and just be patient. It takes time. Uh, but anything's possible if you set your mind to it. Yeah, that's a wonderful message. It's uh, I have read The Triple Effect. It is What's wonderful about this book is that it, it is so implementable. It's so, um, it's so simple to understand. For, for, for someone that hasn't really thought about how to sleep better, how to eat better, how to, how to, how to really be a, be a more vibrant, more present, more healthy person, um, and wants to be a more vibrant, healthy person, it's really readable. It's a great book. Um, and, I, and I'm obsessed with this stuff, so I will read the really heavy stuff as well. But I love this book. Um, and, you know, I, I've shared this book with a lot, of, a lot of friends of mine. And so it's definitely something to read. Um, who doesn't want to sleep better? And it's amazing how we take for granted, <clears throat> oh, I just don't sleep very well, or I just ache in the morning. And we just take for granted the things. Well, the good news is, and I'm sure Greg will agree, you don't have to take 
any of these things for granted. There's something you can do to feel better, to sleep better, to eat better, and to enjoy it. Like, you know, when it comes to food, we don't have to, we don't have to make food a punishment. We can eat great food. It's just understanding what benefits are going to come from eating the right types of food at the right time. Um, and it's, um, it's actually really enlightening. I think a lot of people might be scared to read a book like this because they think that it's going to tell them what they can't do. And the good news is that it's not. You can do anything you want to do and you can be vibrant and your best self and you can have adventures and be brave enough to take the steps that, that Greg's um, made in his life. Um, I mean, I think about everything you just said, that life is better than your dreams right now and it's taking you a while to get there. But like that journey to Africa, life is hard sometimes. It really is. And I think the difference is, like you said, how, how are we going to respond when we do hit those crushing hard moments how are we going to respond and all those journeys that you've taken um have really have really really inspired me and really inspired the listeners to to realize no matter how bad things get you have the ability to respond in a way that's going to allow you to grow and appreciate your life so greg what i'd love to know is as you described in the last six years you your life really is at this point now better than your dreams so tell me if you could pinpoint what is it about your life that gives you that perspective about your life right now sure um so i think one of the biggest perspectives i gained from the last six years when now i think things are going really really well i'm super happy like it's just life is just exploding in a whole bunch of great directions is that if i look back sort of to 2010 and this opportunity to commentate the olympics and when that happened, because a friend of mine from high school who I swam with uh, was creating this show, this segment that was going to go on the Olympic broadcast, and I also ended up commentating as well beyond that, uh, I went all in on investing in that opportunity. I took huge advantage of that opportunity. I recognized it as being a huge opportunity. I, went, I got public speaking training. I got voice coaching. I learned how to do Q&A from a media company. I invested in speech writing, like learning all the nuts and bolts of actually communicating with someone in a radio format, which is not the easiest thing in the world to do, but that subsequently led to getting the 2012 Olympics gig to commentate that one and all sorts of radio and media that, that I've done ever since then. And obviously now public speaking, which I do two or three times a week, which I absolutely passionately love, but none of that would have been possible if I hadn't made the investment on going all in on, on taking advantage of that opportunity. And then I've subsequently done that with public speaking. And then after one of my speeches, one of the CEOs that was there asked me if I could help this company. I went in all on that opportunity. So anytime you see something that you could actually uh, take advantage of as an opportunity in your life, and you're like, well, that's pretty cool, never hesitate to go all in on, on that because you never know what's going to come. And it might take years for it to show itself, but that's been a – a really big, big, big factor for me. And uh, I think that's why we are where we are today. And the you know, same thing happened with the Titan Summit where you and I met. I, you know, I've done four of them, but that was all in on figuring out those speeches because I knew that they were hugely impactful. Uh, so yeah, it's just, that's, that's really become the mantra lately. It's just been recognize the opportunities. If it's a cool opportunity and, and it's a, a heck yes opportunity, then you go absolutely all in on mm-hmm. that and try to get rid of everything else that isn't going to contribute to you taking advantage of and moving your life in a different direction. I think that's really why things are going, 
so well at the moment and not you know knock on wood it keeps happening but yeah. uh yeah that's where we are today and that's what i'm that's the attitude i've got at the moment and it, and it seems to be working really really well that's amazing so life is listen to what's being said is go all in recognize those opportunities which starts with that huge amount of perspective and awareness of of what's going on in our lives the more awareness we have the more opportunities we notice we see those opportunities grab them with both hands and go all in and just even if it's scary even if you don't know if it's going to work out like that trip down to africa you recognize that this would be amazing things just just grab it and go for it and it's just so inspiring greg and it's uh, really wonderful to have you on so for those people that are experiencing you for the first time on uh, on the i help my life show how can people find you uh, best places through my website uh, drgregwells.com connect with me on any of the social media they're all um at drgregwells.com instagram facebook uh linkedin snapchat twitter they're all there uh, if you want to ask me a question, do it on Twitter. If you want to sort of check in on my travels and my speaking, that's Instagram. If you want to get the deep dive, the, the articles and, and all that sort of information, that's typically Facebook and uh, and LinkedIn. And, and if you want to fire me a direct message on Snapchat, that's probably a really good way to do that as well. So anyway, like that, I'm happy to connect with everyone. Fantastic. Well, Greg, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, you know, Greg's really shared how it really is possible to create a life better than your dreams. And yes, it takes hard work, but when you go for life, when you just grab it and go with it, really amazing things can happen no matter what tries to get in your way. So you've been listening to the I Heart My Life show with James Williams and myself, your host for this show. And we've had the incredible Dr. Greg Wells, PhD, sharing his journey with us. Thank you so much, my friend. Um, we will be back for another show very, very soon.